You're now listening to The Other Side of the Truth, hosted by the most traveled man under 40, Dustin Funteller. As Dustin visited every country in the world, he skipped the fancy hotels, private taxi, and comfortable travel. Instead, he went for the true experience, staying in local homes and making friends everywhere. Quickly, he had a shift in perception. The world as he knew it was far from the reality he got to see. So many times, there's another side to the story. So many times, we fail to see that. And Dustin wants to show you the other side of the truth. Sometimes, you'll agree with him. Sometimes, you won't. But one thing we'll all agree not to disagree on is, there's always another side of the truth. Hello, and welcome to The Other Side of the Truth. Today, we are going to be talking about how expensive is Singapore? This is a podcast that partners with my Facebook and YouTube video series called The Other Side of the Truth. Now, you can listen to the podcast completely on your own if you want, but you can also check out the videos, which I think are kind of cool, where you see a visual representation, and hopefully they're kind of fun to watch. Because I want to make it so you can listen to the podcast separately, I will be repeating a few of the things from the video at the very beginning. The big difference is on the podcast, I will have much more time to go into much greater detail and depth into the topics and have time to explain why the current situation is how it is and why often there's misconceptions. And that's what we'll be talking about on this episode on how expensive Singapore really is. So the first thing I want to talk about is the salaries because this kind of defines everything else. Even if you don't know about prices or anything else, you can just summarize how expensive Singapore is because usually the price of a country is based on what people make. And so the first job is to look at Singapore's salaries. The salaries are way lower in Singapore. The U.S. minimum wage working full-time, which I would say would be 50 weeks, you know, 40 hours a week for 50 weeks and getting two weeks off, you make $14,500, whereas my dental assistants made $13,000 a year. And again, these are my dental assistants. There's many other jobs in Singapore that pay significantly lower than what dental assistants make. And this is, I converted everything to USD. So in summary, my dental assistants make $1,500 per month less than what the lowest wage person in the USA can make. And I also point out that there are many states like state of Washington and California where the minimum wage makes around 24,000 a month, nearly double what my assistants make at their job in Singapore. So again, the lowest wage in California and the state of Washington, the most poorest person in those states are making double what my assistants are making. And the big thing to remember is my assistants are dental assistants. They are more qualified than a lot of the other workers in Singapore. And so there's a lot of other workers in Singapore getting paid even less. And that's just the whole premise of the video and the entire concept is if they're able to live happily and nice and have good lives, what's going on? Because they're making way less money, yet they're living supposedly in the most expensive city in the world that doesn't make any sense it would be impossible for them to survive if the city really was the most expensive city in the world and the other big thing is if you're making a minimum wage in america you get a ton of benefits i mean i don't think there's any state that doesn't give you benefits for housing for food stamps for this and that whereas in singapore there's a lot of foreign workers there making that and foreign workers gets any benefits and even singaporeans They might get a few things like, I know as a dentist, they got, I could do fillings for them and a few small things, 
a lot of Singapore benefits are really for everybody. It's not just low income. Really, I'm trying to think of the benefits that benefit low income that don't benefit other people, and there's not too much. Singapore has benefits, but it really is for everybody. For example, some of the things we talked about in the video, they have Singapore has really affordable transportation. It's really, really affordable compared to most major cities. If you're rich or poor, as long as you take public transportation, it's benefiting you. Singapore has way more affordable health care than most other places. But again, that benefits everybody. Anybody that wants to go do that. The public gyms. Again, anybody can use public gyms. It's really, really affordable. So let's talk about the gyms real quick because I think it's really interesting. If I find it interesting, I hope you guys do too. So the public gyms are so affordable. You can pick this off-peak hour pass, which it's $4 a month. Actually, it comes out to $4.25 a month. And to even make it more affordable, if you are a Singapore citizen, I don't know if they have the promotion currently, but they used to, where they would almost pay half of it. I mean, that's, you're paying like $2 a month for unlimited use of the gym during non-peak hours. And non-peak hours means weekdays before 5 p.m. So you can go anytime in the day, you just have to be done by 5 p.m. And of course, you can still pay for a normal membership where you work on the weekends and the evenings. Then it's it's about double or, or two and a half times the price, which again is not that bad. It's like $12. The thing is, if you go in the off-peak hours, there's usually not too many people there because it's off-peak. But if you go in the evenings or on the weekends because they're public and because they're so affordable, the gyms are packed. Everywhere you go, there are tons and tons of people. So the whole point is you can be any income, you can be a multi-millionaire and you can go to the public gyms and receive the same cheap price that everybody receives. It's not limited to your income, but most people that make really good money are not going to want to have a bunch of sweaty people within reach of them. They will pay for a more expensive gym membership to have their space and their freedom. That's something that's kind of neat is where in America we have a lot of benefits like food stamps and different things that are only for people of low income status. So we've now established that people making minimum wage or doing simple jobs like working at McDonald's or doing similar things like that make significantly less in Singapore than they do in the U.S. So now that we established that, let's compare some prices getting like a haircut and a haircut is a perfect example and this is why I like to bring up the haircut so you probably won't even believe me so in the well this you'll believe in the U.S. one of the cheapest I could fly find in Florida was $15 and in the U.S. you have to tip them too so or at least you should at least a dollar or two so really I mean and then you add tax to it so like you're leaving you're paying 18 19 probably about 20 bucks for that haircut now in Singapore, right outside where I live, so I'm not just going to find some random alleyway down some back street, just outside of where I live, in the main shopping areas and streets in Singapore, which is famous for little markets, was I lived in Amakio. They had haircuts for $3 Singapore dollars. And again, Singapore dollars is worth is less than a US dollar, so really $3 is about $2.20 in USA value. And you're not expected to tip. And now you're like, why is a haircut in the US 15 bucks at minimum if you don't tip and you don't pay tax? And in Singapore, it includes tax and you're not expected to tip and it's $2.20. That's because of labor. And that's why Singapore is actually really, really affordable because Singapore has no minimum wage. What these haircut places do is they take people from Indonesia or Malaysia 
where they're used to making, I don't know, one or $2 an hour, say $2 an hour. They're used to making $2 an hour. They bring them over to Singapore to do haircuts. And again, they can do a haircut in say like 10 minutes and chances are, and they probably get 50% of whatever you pay. They're probably making $1.150 a haircut. But again, they're used to making $2 an hour. They can at least average four to five. So they've doubled their salary in Singapore which I know is kind of crazy when you think about it, but they are still making more money than they would back home. And the other thing is, I think that's haircuts is kind of like the bread and butter, but like, you know, you get somebody in, you give them a shampoo and you give them this, you give them that. So they do get customers that need more expensive stuff. It's just during their downtime, they'd rather be making some money than no money, right? So I kind of think that's how it works. I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm not in the haircutting business in Singapore, but it just, again, because lower labor costs, things can be so much cheaper in Singapore. Again, prices at stores are going to be way, way more affordable. Candy, food, everything. Like, again, as long as you go somewhere that isn't in the expensive areas. And the thing that was really weird about Singapore is within one block, you go between two blocks. One block, it would be, Prices would be super expensive, like three times the price of the U.S. And then you walk one block away and prices are one third of what they would be in the U.S. So it literally is is completely unique with Singapore with the fact that you can go within one to two blocks and the prices change dramatically because it's so small that the areas and districts change so quickly. Now let's talk about umbrellas. I couldn't believe it. When I came back to the U.S. and it was raining out and I wanted to buy an umbrella, I looked everywhere and it was like eight to nine dollars. I was so upset because in Singapore, you literally can forget to bring an umbrella. You don't need to because across the street of almost everywhere I worked or in the mall where I was working, you could get umbrellas for like one dollar. You started collecting quite a bit because you'd always forget to take it to work and then it would be raining when you're at work and you just buy one and bring it home and so you'd collect like 20 umbrellas by the end of the year. But in the US, the umbrellas are just a lot more expensive. And next we're going to point out Oreos. Um, I am picking Oreos. I had to pick some, wanted to pick some food item like snack. And the reason I pick Oreos is because I'm obsessed. And so I know the price very well in the US and I know the price very well in Singapore. I basically have it memorized because I eat them way too much. Anyway, and so, but the thing I really like about Oreos is because they're the same exact product. When you go to the doctor in Singapore and the US, you could be like, well, the US is more expensive because the doctor is more qualified or parking is more expensive in the US because of land, which kind of makes no sense because Singapore is a stinking island or that the SIM card is more expensive because you get texting or calling or, or the umbrella is better quality. But the, the Oreos are identical. So even though all the other things are very similar, you could always make some excuse, but you have no excuse with Oreos because they're made exactly the same. And so there could be other factors. The end product is the same and real simple. In Singapore, it is 50 cents. In the US, it's $1.50. It's three times the price in the US. And so that's just a really good example of two products that are completely identical, sold in both places. And in the US, it's three times the price. And the reason why both Oreos and umbrellas are lower price is the places that are selling them, a lot of the workers are like Filipinos. And they're, you know, it's called an ABC store is what it's called in Singapore. 
Oh, and that store is a bargain store. And so what they do is they hire mostly foreign workers. And then because they're foreign workers, they're not paying them what you'd have to pay minimum wage workers in the U.S. They can probably pay three to four workers the same price as one worker in the U.S. And so because cost is so much lower, they're able to sell significantly lower prices. And also they're like a Walmart. They're selling based on low prices. So they get a lot of customers in. A lot of people are always going there to, to buy things. And it's really convenient because it's right next to where you live. It's right next to where you work. And there's small little stores with a bunch of affordable prices. So that's why those ones are pretty affordable. And next, we're going to talk about dentists and doctors. So as being a dentist, both in the U.S. and in Singapore, this one I know pretty dang well, is if someone comes to me for a filling in the U.S., I'm going to charge about $200. If somebody comes to me for a filling in Singapore, I'm going to charge about $60. So significantly less in Singapore, even though I do the exact same work. And in, same for doctors. If I go to a doctor in Singapore, it's about 40 bucks. If I go to a doctor in the US for a consult, it's about 200. Now you're wondering why are medical prices so less? And obviously it's a big thing with politicians. And the thing that's kind of interesting with politicians and everything in the US that always are saying we need more or less or whatever, give more money, blah, blah, blah is that they don't realize it's a very complex issue. So no matter how you feel politically, it is not just a straightforward answer, okay? As a person that has looked into possibly doing my own dental business in the future, I've realized there's a lot of things that make it really difficult for dentists in the US to have lower prices. The first off is the banks. The banks aren't willing to give money to anyone that's going to say, hey, I'm going to lower prices because then they're afraid that you're not going to have the same profit margin, that you're not going to be able to pay the loan back and you're going to default. And the banks are very cautious about that. And so they like to have dentists be very cookie cutter. What I mean is they like every dentist to do the exact same thing, charge the exact same price, have the same setup and do everything because they know if you do it that way, you have a very low risk. But on the same point, if you do it that way, prices are never going to be lower because everybody's going to copy each other. And currently prices are pretty expensive for dental care and medical care in the, the U.S. Also, construction is much more expensive in the U.S., uh, equipment. If you sell a medical, like a, a dental chair, for example, a dental chair in America will tra charge like $8,000. The same chair in Singapore will charge for under $1,000. When your equipment is eight times the price, that is actually passed on to the patient. I think a lot of this actually has to do with government regulations because we have so many laws and rules about importing equipment and different medical things, and we don't realize that really affects prices a lot. Don't forget dental and medical school is really expensive, so students have a lot higher loans. So for them to be able to pay off their loans, their salaries have to be higher. And because they have higher salaries, they have to charge more. Also, staff members are way higher salaries. We talked about from the very beginning that my staff members had lower than minimum wage salaries. When you have such low salaries for staff, the prices can reflect that. And the biggest thing is just expectations. Everybody, you know, dentists and doctors in the US expect to be paid really, really well. Uh, dentists and doctors in Singapore still make decent money, but they don't make the same amount that they would make in the US. And so it's just kind of expectations. And so there's a lot of different reasons. And actually, I will be doing an entire podcast about this. But I just wanted to explain, here's another thing. I mean, anyone with common sense really knows that healthcare in the US is more expensive than really anywhere else in the world. But one unique thing about all of this is that medicine is actually many times cheaper. Well, sometimes it's more expensive, sometimes it's cheaper. How to tell you. So if you have generic pills, 
something that doesn't have a patent or the patent has expired. So generic medicine is significantly cheaper in the US. You wanna get Benadryl, in the US it's like a 10th of the price. Or if you want to get anything, anything like Equate is a big company in the US with multiple generic things. So anything Equate makes, they're a huge company that makes so much of it and they literally just copy the formulas after patents expire. Whereas there isn't like that similar company in, in Singapore. But for medicine that is really rare in most countries outside the US, it's actually more affordable because that country has a government or rules that don't allow that company to overcharge where America, we allow pharmacies to charge whatever they want. So when you have, when a company does have the patent and they have no competition, they can definitely raise the price. So that's just something that I thought would be interesting. Hopefully I haven't bored you yet. Okay, let's talk about rent because the number one thing that Singaporeans in the whole world talks about is how expensive rent is in Singapore. There's one big difference. There is public housing that people forget. So when you're in the US and you think about public housing, you think of usually, not all the time, but usually you think of very dumpy, really kind of ghetto places and you're like, I don't wanna stay in public housing. And also you think of the only people that can live in public housing are people that are extremely poor or have no job. Whereas in Singapore, 80%, 80% of the population lives in government housing. And so because 80% live in government housing is not such a bad thing. In government housing, some of it's really, really nice. And so when they're factoring into these studies about where the most expensive place in the world is, they just completely eliminate public housing, which is unfair to Singapore because you're eliminating 80% of the population. And when you do the most expensive city in the world, you should be considering what it is for the average person to live, not what it's for the millionaires to live. And again, they're just considering the top 20% of the population, which is the top 20% most rich in Singapore. So obviously the top 20% richest people in Singapore are gonna pay a lot of money compared to what the average person in the US is. So again, when I was in Sarasota, a city of only 60,000 people, I had to pay 700 a month for my rent. When I was in Singapore, it was 500. Both places were pretty comparable. Singapore was a better location. My other place was a little bit bigger. I feel like they're kind of equal in those factors. And the crazy part is when I moved out of my place in Singapore, I couldn't even find anyone to rent it because I guess $500 a month was too high. It just goes to show that even with housing, something that most people assume is super expensive in Singapore, if you look around and you actually, and you don't worry about the stigma of public housing, it can be quite affordable. Fast food in Singapore is actually really fun because what they have is they have these hawker centers, they have these different areas of food, tons of different restaurants, not like, and unlike a fast food restaurant, which is big and has a ton of people, these hawker centers is like a mom and dad store or a family store or just one person. And they'll have, and you'll go to a place where there's like a hundred of them and you can just pick. And so you can go with friends and it's a cool place to hang out or you can go on like a date. And it's really cool because you and your date will pick different places and you're like, oh, try this or oh, try this. Or you might pick from a few different places. And so it's really fun. And it's like, you go out to eat with friends in the US and you're expecting a bill of 30, 40 bucks. You go out to eat with friends in Singapore and you can get like a bajillion dishes. I mean, I think once I went out with friends and we just like got way too much food and I think we paid $15 per person. And that was like the most we've ever ordered ever. And so my point is food, going out to eat is more affordable in Singapore. And the taxis, the, again, the taxis are really affordable in Singapore. The taxis, I can't believe how expensive it is in the US. In New York City, I took a taxi. My company paid for me to take a taxi. And so I figured out how much it would have been. I would have never paid this in my entire life. It was a 25 minute ride and it was $45. 
which I just can't believe how expensive that was. In Singapore, when I'd take a 25-minute ride taxi, and it was very rare I ever had to do it, but sometimes in unusual circumstances, I had to take a taxi, it would be like $18. And that's from the airport. Again, I could have even done in the city during the day, it would have been way cheaper than that. Uh, Singapore is known to have maids, so they'll hire people from the Philippines, Indonesia, and different places, and they'll be like a live-in maid. And so they'll do all your cooking, they'll do all your cleaning, they'll do your laundry. Literally, they will, it's so nice. They'll do everything. And lots of times, they're really, really, really good at cooking. So literally, every you don't have to worry about anything. You work, and you come home, and everything's taken care of. It's amazing. Like, talk about feeling like a millionaire. And yet, you're feeling like a millionaire, and how much are these maids paid? $400 a month. Now you also are paying for their food because when they go grocery shopping and they go cooking, they get to eat part of the food along with what they made for you. And so it's great for families in Singapore because they have a maid that takes care of everything. And they'll, and they'll babysit your kid. They'll do, do everything. If you have an elderly grandma, I know multiple Singaporeans that have a maid that takes care of their elderly grandma or takes care of their baby. Yeah, they're only paying $400 a month. I mean, can you imagine what that would be in the US? Like that would be like $2,000 a month, at least maybe 3,000. I had my cousin actually did that. SIM cards, you can just go into different factors. Uh, Singapore, it was $5 for a gigabyte. USA, it's about $8 per gigabyte. Motorcycle parking, I couldn't believe it. So I had a motorcycle in Singapore and it would cost me 50 cents a day, 50 cents for the entire day to park. And in New York City, actually, I was surprised. It's not that expensive for motorcycles. It's about $5.50 per day. But I just couldn't believe how cheap it was in Singapore. And lastly, hotels. Again, this is supply and demand. But, like, I don't know why the hotels are so expensive. Like, Airbnb is helping a lot with this. It's actually dropping prices considerably. But right now, most cities in the U.S., it's about like 60 to $70 per night for a room. Now, it's usually you can usually maybe get it down to 50 but because the taxes are so high in the, the U.S., it gets to be about $60 per night, whereas in Singapore, it's about 30 So hopefully I didn't bore you. I know it was a lot of this price, that price, this price, that price, but summarize. Basically, everything I bought and everything, these are my things that I use because this is what I'm expert at. I'm not going to tell you prices of things I don't know and I haven't done my research on. These are things I did my research on because these are the main things I had to pay money for. And nearly everything I spent money on in Singapore and in the U.S. was more expensive in the U.S., so now let's go over why the media is so wrong about Singapore being the most expensive city. Well, number one reason is Singapore has the most millionaires per capita of anywhere in the world. It used to be ranked number one. It might still be ranked number one. If you're, I mean, just think common sense. A lot of this is just common sense stuff. If you're a city with the most millionaires in the world, you're going to have some fancy places because you definitely have people that are loaded and have a lot of money. And it's the whole keeping up with the Joneses. You have people that, especially the millionaires, are all trying to show off their money. You know, a lot of people that, especially in Asian culture, success is money. In, in America, if you're really good at sports, if you're popular, if you're attractive, that might make you popular in America. Whereas in Asia, a lot of the times what makes you popular is having the name brand item or having something like that that really makes you cool and popular. Which, again, me growing up from a small town in freaking Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere in the woods, nobody knew what name brand was because we didn't really have much for name brand stores. If somebody wore something or had something, if a woman had a name brand purse, nobody would know. If they wore a name brand jacket, nobody would know. 
So, whereas, again, in Singapore, because it's a big city and because there's a lot of foreigners there and there's a lot of trade and everything, money rules. So, the whole point of this, I'm going on a big tangent, is that because there's a lot of millionaires, there's a lot of places for these millionaires to shop at. They're always trying to compete with each other. And there's also people that aren't millionaires that also do try to shop at these to show, to kind of do the fake millionaire. They try to look like they're rich even though they aren't rich. And... And that means not everything for these millionaires. So places to buy clothes, places to buy food, places for entertainment. They have all of that stuff. So you just, you got to avoid that stuff. But unfortunately, a lot of the foreigners that come to Singapore tend to get paid very well because it's maybe CEOs of Southeast Asia area or high up on their at their at their company and so they have a ton of money too so the foreigners also have these shops as well catered to them so so number one is that there's a lot of millionaires and obviously and the problem is the people doing the study are probably foreigners so they come and they hang out and see what other foreigners are spending money on but you don't have to shop at millionaire shops right and so that's what annoys me is the people doing the studies should see how the locals live not how millionaires live when they actually do their research number two is people don't price compare really like it's it's unbelievable they just don't go around and look perfect example to go to the shop that the millionaires go to and buy the item and if they would have just gone to where the locals go they could have got the item for 10 times a cheaper price capitalist system companies want to charge as much as they can and have you pay for it so again if they're able to get away with charging higher than they need to be they're going to continue doing it because it's a great business model and number three, there are things that everywhere in Singapore are expensive. So let's explain how the government works. The, the Singapore government is very unique and I love places that are different and do things differently. And Singapore would definitely, definitely fit in that category. So here's an example of them doing things that are differently that I just thought was genius. And I don't know if I, I, I probably support it, um, but I just love that it was a different way of thinking. I love people that think outside of the box. Those are the discoveries, Amazon, Facebook, those were all things that were thought outside of the box. So, and Singapore does it with their government, which is crazy to think a government thinking outside of the box in, in today's world. So one of the things they did was tolls. So if you, everywhere else in the world, you have a toll, you're driving and this toll is a dollar and this toll is $2 and that's what you got to pay. Singapore has time tolls. What that means is they have tolls when there's a lot of traffic to try to encourage people to not all drive at the same time. So they have the biggest one would be rush hour tolls and it makes perfect city sense. Going to downtown is going to be really expensive in the morning. Leaving downtown is going to be really expensive mid around like 5 or 6 p.m. Basically the rush hour times. Luckily, my job usually started at nine or 10 in the morning because it was really weird. I worked from nine to nine or 10 to 10. If I ever had to go downtown, by the time I was on my way there, the tolls were all turned off. I'd never hit a toll. Whereas I one time had a meeting or something, I think at 7.30 and dang, it was like eight bucks. It really sucked. It must've hit the worst time. And that's a motorcycle. And again, a motorcycle, the tolls are half the price of a car. So cars are paying like $16. And if they just wait like like one hour, they'd pay zero. So, you know, it's just a really unique thing that they, they do. And that had nothing to do with, with rule number three, just saying that their government, that's some of the ways they make money is, is they tax different things. They put really high tolls during rush hours so they can make some decent, decent money that way. 
they do tax things that they call luxury items that you buy, which means they're things that you don't have to buy. There's no reason you need to buy these things. So a good example would be cigarettes, right? Like <laughs> cigarettes aren't good for you. And so they're like, well, we're going to sell cigarettes, but we're going to tax them extremely high. And so to try to encourage people not to buy them. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's the Asian culture, but it's unbelievable how many people smoke when you consider how expensive cigarettes are in Singapore. Like they're outrageous. Now, granted, I don't ever smoke, so I don't really know what a normal price, but I, they're like $10 or something like that, which I, that's absolutely <laughs> really, really expensive. Alcohol. Alcohol is so, it, it's unreal. Like if you go out at nighttime and go to a bar or club, I mean, even if you just go to a sit down restaurant during happy hour, you're lucky if you can get a beer for like $7, just a bottle of beer. And that's during happy hour. If you go to a bar or club at nighttime, you're looking at paying 20 bucks. You go to the bartender and you buy like a bottle of beer and it's going to be like 16 to $20. Now, again, for me, I don't like the taste of alcohol, so I mean, I basically never drink it, so it didn't really affect me, but I can't believe how many Singaporeans drink and how much they drink when you consider the price of alcohol, right? Like, it's literally, they're choosing to have taxes, they're choosing the, you know, Singapore has an extremely low tax rate, and they're deciding, well, I'm going to pay the government by, by drinking a lot of alcohol. And then there's things like supply and demand, so like a thing like a concert... A concert would be really expensive because most famous, like, say, musicians are based in the U.S., maybe in Canada or the U U.K., but mostly in the U.S. And so let's pick Taylor Swift. If Taylor Swift is going to go perform in, if she's going to perform in, say, Florida, which is where I've lived in the U.S., I mean, it might be a little inconvenient. I believe she's based in Tennessee or Nashville, I don't know, or California or wherever. But whatever, wherever it is, she could literally take it. Uh, take all her equipment on trains that could get there. She could, it's a small, short flight. It's domestic. Or she could even drive most likely. And, and if she came all the way to Florida, she'd probably do it and pick cities on the way as she got here. So she's going to go all the way to Singapore. I mean, she has to put her entire crew on a freaking plane and fly them. So obviously it's really difficult to get to Singapore. So the concerts in Singapore are going to be quite expensive. There are not too many famous musicians that have been born in Singapore or Indonesia or Malaysia or any of the surrounding areas. So the famous celebrities have to come all the way from far away to get to Singapore. And that increases the price with supply and demand. So again, rule number three is there are things that are expensive. You just avoid those really expensive things. Number four reason why the media all think that Singapore is so expensive is that it helps foreigners. What I mean by that is like if you're an American and you're living in an expensive city, you still have to pay American taxes, but you can deduct the cost of living in that city for your taxes. Again, if Singapore was ranked as the same cost of living as a normal city in America, you couldn't deduct it. But because it's more expensive, you can deduct it. It allows you to deduct your living expenses in Singapore from your taxes. And then just secondly, if you're a foreigner and going to Singapore and it's supposed to be really expensive to live there, your company's going to give you more money. If it's supposed to be really cheap living accommodations, you're not going to get so much money. Again, it just helps you out a lot by having Singapore be expensive. Companies will give their employers more money. Americans can deduct it off the taxes. So it doesn't hurt them by saying it's expensive. It actually helps foreigners a lot. So no foreigner is going to want to disagree with it. Rule number five, diversity. Okay, so I love diversity. That's 
why I went into traveling. When I went to Taiwan and I was able to see their culture, I just fell in love with it. And when I went to Singapore again, fell in love with it. I stayed, I was the only white person in my building. I, you know, I, at work, I was the only Caucasian. And not that I had to be the only one, but I really enjoyed diversity. I had friends from multiple backgrounds. I love, love diversity. That's what made me fall in love with traveling, was getting to integrate in these different countries and getting to know what life was like for locals in these different unique places. That I, I loved it. But when it comes to diversity, we don't need that when it comes to the most expensive city or country in the world. Then we just need facts. And what should be shocking and annoying to everyone is if you look at the top 10 most expensive cities in the world, we have cities from North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and Oceania, like every continent. What is the chance that these continents, some continents being very poor, some continents being very rich, some countries being very rich, some countries being very poor, and yet they all have places that are the most expensive in the world. That makes no sense. So if you really want to think about where the most expensive cities are in the world, just use common sense. Whatever is isolated is probably going to be expensive. I mean, just try to live in Antarctica and buy milk or eggs or gym membership or internet those are all going to be stinking expensive northern alaska they have to get all their supplies once a year on a freaking huge tugboat right so milk is going to be really ex expensive because it's hard to keep it fresh the falkland islands which is an isolated island again things are going to be really expensive supply and demand isolated areas are going to be really really expensive now maybe you say these isolated areas don't count they're not counting these isolated areas they're counting normal cities that are connected to the rest of the world and so in that way if you don't take any isolated areas just think of where the most expensive cities are which is going to be switzerland and norway those places are ridiculous and the difference between those cities and different things if you go to singapore if you go to even new york you go to hong kong Though all those Hong Kong, Singapore, New York, and a lot of other cities, those places have affordable options. It's just not everybody chooses the affordable options. You go to Norway and Switzerland and you go to McDonald's and you're going to be paying over 10 bucks at McDonald's. Like it's ridiculous how expensive those places are. You literally don't eat when you're at those places. You don't eat, you don't, you, you hotel, everything. There is no cheap option. So again, Number five is that the media wants diversity and wants to include all the continents because then maybe they're, they'll know people from those areas are going to read the story and they just try to include the entire world when they do the most expensive places in the world. And then rule number six, the last one, the media doesn't fact check. Now, again, it's not completely the media's fault because it's some agency that has done the research and then they just, the media will trust this agency. So one good example was I was in Hong Kong the day after it came out in the news that Hong Kong was the most expensive city in the world. And prices that they gave was that coffee was $7.70. So of course I had to investigate and my favorite way of investigating random locals was I went on Tinder and swiped and had 50 matches and that's 50 of them if they had ever spent $7.70 on a coffee and there was not one of the 50 people that replied back 
that said they had ever spent that. The most expensive was $5, which I did find when I went to the coffee shops. I even, I don't drink coffee, but I looked at the menu and tried to find the most expensive coffee and the most expensive I would find would be $5. And just as a reminder, this $5 coffee was the grande of the grande. It was the biggest, largest one they had. It had special stuff done like toppings, I guess, some coffees have different flavors and things. This was not a normal coffee. The normal coffees were like between two to three dollars. This was the most expensive I could find, was five dollars. And again, the article said that the average coffee was seven dollars and seventy cents. So it just is so frustrating that it would come out in the news and this agency would clearly have done no work because me as an individual could completely prove them wrong. And it's just, oh, it's just so frustrating that sometimes things are just done inaccurately and then everybody believes it, this inaccurate fact, and that's how the city gets assumed that's really expensive. I have no problem if the city is expensive and it's, it's factual, but it shouldn't be based on incorrect facts. Another good example would be, I went to the capital of the Democratic Republic of the Congo when I was when that city was ranked the eighth most expensive city in the world. And I had a friend that was living there and let me stay with him. He was a foreigner and he had two story, five bedroom place. He had plenty of parking, two acres. He had a car and two motorcycles and he had a cook, maid and cleaner. All right, you are not going to get all of that in Manhattan or downtown Chicago or any other major city. But he had that in the eighth most expensive city in the world, which was more expensive than Chicago. Hell no. And that brings up another point that's just really sad and frustrating and something that really, really needs to be addressed and fixed. So if you're someone that's famous watching this podcast, please call out the media and the and again it's not always the media's fault but at least this research company's fault because what they are doing on this research especially for Africa is they're estimating how much it would cost you as a foreigner as a white person to live in Africa and never live amongst any local people which i think is ridiculous if you are a caucasian moving to africa for work and you don't ever want to see an african you are wrong. You should not be living in freaking Africa. Okay, that is just racist. And so that is why this city is ranked number eight most expensive city in the world. Because if you have African neighbors who I'm not, you know, these African people that are successful and doing well, not every African is starving. There are several Africans that have good jobs and doing really well, even if it's by far a minority of the country, there are them. And you could live among that neighborhood. And if you did that, it would be really affordable and it wouldn't be the eighth most expensive city in the world. But what they're doing their study is they say that these foreigners have to live in a compound outside of where everybody is and have their own private shops and have their own private stuff and can't go anywhere else where there's anyone that's not a foreigner at. And that's why it's like the eighth most expensive city in the world. And it just is really frustrating. I mean, it's impossible for a city where the average salary is one to two dollars per day to really be the eighth most expensive city in the world. Are you freaking kidding me? Again, it's it's just really sad because it's racism, the reason why it's the eighth most expensive city in the world. And that's just wrong. So if you actually want to know the cost of companies, one cool thing you can do is the Big Mac index. So basically you compare the price of Big Macs in every country in the world. And because McDonald's isn't, they're going to do their prices based on what people can afford. When you look at it, Hong Kong, Singapore, both don't make the top five, but Switzerland is number one, which as I mentioned before, it's one of the most expensive cities in the world. So that's a much more fair way to do what is the most expensive place in the world.
And even the Big Mac index is not perfect because see the Big Mac index is putting everything based on just one sandwich, the Big Mac at McDonald's. And McDonald's, just like everywhere else in the world, has some things that are sometimes expensive, some things that are sometimes affordable. And so like in the US, the Big Mac is proportionally higher priced than compared to a lot of its other items on the menu. And so what I think they should do is McDonald's would be a great example because they're all throughout the world, but take their menu as an overall general price and average it out. Don't base it all based on one sandwich. And if somebody could do that, I think that would be a very great comparison. I mean, it wouldn't be perfect, but again, McDonald's kind of knows what the purchasing price in most countries are. And for example, in Singapore, McDonald's was really affordable. In the US, it's very affordable. In Norway and Switzerland, it's outrageously expensive and you like want to cry when you get the bill. And if you look at which countries I believe are the most expensive, all the countries where McDonald's is really, really expensive goes and, and correlates 100%. So I wish we had that, but obviously it would just be neat to look at different ways and find a better way to judge what is the most expensive country in the world. And with that, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed doing the research. I just, this is a passion. I love to find things that are different than what my assumptions were my entire life. And I know there has to be other people out there besides me that likes to learn new and different things and especially have their ways of thinking be changed and opened and just just see things from a different perspective. I, I love that and I hope there's other people out there that enjoy that too. So please reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, whichever area and just let me know if you like this. Also let me know episodes and things that you, where maybe you went somewhere and you discovered something different than what you assumed and you realized you were completely wrong. And I would, or maybe you live somewhere and there's a lot of people have a lot of assumptions of something that is where you live and that's not accurate. Cause I would love to do more. Obviously I want to do more episodes and I'd love for you guys to help me out with great content. Please let me know. And I really hope you enjoyed it. I think this podcast is, I, it took me a long time to think the best way to do this. And I really think the podcast is the best way because I can spend the time going into the details and let you know all this stuff because a podcast allows the longer format so please let me know how you liked it you've been listening to the other side of the truth follow the other side of the truth on facebook to see five minute videos on this and other topics dustin is posting a one minute video about each country in the world on his instagram page wandering underscore dentist or his facebook page facebook.com slash wandering dentist if you've had your perception or stereotypes broken, please reach out to Dustin on social media and he may feature your story on a future episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please let others know and a five-star review is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, keep living life with an open mind.